The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to another edition of Just End the Show, everybody. We're going to get right into it because we've got a lot of things to complain about. Do you remember last week when I said this might be a game where uh, we come out and I say they are who we thought they were? <laughs> well, Seth, they are who we thought they were. <laughs> yeah. And I mean the Jets specifically. I'm still, the Bengals played okay, I guess, but this was definitely a Jets losing it as opposed to Cincinnati winning it from what I from what I saw yeah I, I could definitely agree there was no point in this game where you felt like the Jets were in it even when it was seven to three and they lost by two possessions yeah the 27 to 12 final score doesn't even do a justice of how lopsided this game really was especially on on offense for the Jets who obviously had to run out Joe Flacco hopefully for the last time and Joe was just out there fighting for his life. Yeah. He was only good when he had time to throw and there was somebody wide open, which is something you could say about like any bad quarterback. Like the worst quarterback in the NFL looks good when he has time to throw and there's somebody wide open. That's like the lowest bar that there is. And then conversely, the good teams in the league, you'll notice, have quarterbacks who can actually create a play when it doesn't go exactly according to plan, which is something that Flacco absolutely cannot do. You know, you don't want to hear about his veteran savvy or his veteran presence when the guy's still out there making rookie mistakes. He's still staring down receivers. Yeah. He's he's forcing balls into coverage at, you know, 38 years old. He has zero pocket awareness. He has no idea if there's a potential blitzer near him or not. It's crazy. People behind him. Yeah, he constantly, there's, it's like, he does understand the concept that if they go by him, he can, they can come back. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to take away from this. I, I actually am going to go out on a limb here, though. I think that there were a bunch of dudes who were wide open. Like, I actually do think the receiver play has been good, and I think that there are people open. So if you're going to come out of it with any optimism, if you put, I mean, Zach being still a question mark in a lot of ways but you put anybody really outside uh, of uh joe out there who can who can find guys i think that there's guys to find i really do but the defensive performance was also really bad and kind of frankly to be honest for the second weeks in a row, second week in a row i think was really pretty awful despite the fact they didn't give up a ton ton of points but um felt like burrow for most of the game three quarters of the game at least pretty much had all day to throw and you know, no matter whether it was just trying to rush the front four or even blitzing, which they didn't do a ton of, I, I didn't, I didn't pick up on um, this. They did not; they were not able to get pressure on on him. So that's a big thing. But definitely coming out of the game, and especially we're recording this a little bit later than we usually do. Uh, we now know George Fant is on the IR officially. He was like already pretty hurt, seemingly, and then he got banged up in the game and left. So that's not good and that's really really not good because we are now down to uh what we saw from Connor McDermott in this game which uh he's taken a lot of shots on the old Jets Twitter Twitter verse and all of that um so i don't know how much we want to pile on but there's nothing you can say other than that 
Fant wasn't looking good, and he came in and looked a lot worse. So Flacco was really bad, and he had no time to throw, and that's, like you say, that's the only thing he needs. So defense was bad. Uh, the offensive line is incredibly injured and underperforming, and they have a upturned bucket with a mop on it for a quarterback. Is that the phrase? No. Bucket, but whatever it is. They have a, they have a mannequin for a quarterback, so there's no way that they were anywhere near winning this game. Yeah, I think the pass rush, everyone's going to clown them for getting just the one sack by Sheldon Rankins. But ultimately, I, if you watch the game, I don't think the pass rush was as bad uh, as the stat sheet reflects. Joe Burrow actually did a pretty good job, I thought, of getting out of a lot of sticky situations in that game, whether it was stepping up in the pocket, you know, moving to his right, moving to his left. Yeah. Talk about a guy with pocket awareness. It, yeah, it, yeah exactly. Exactly. It was night and day watching yeah. watching those two in terms of pocket awareness. Joe's used to having uh, Joe Burrow, I should say, is used to having a, a dog shit offensive line. He's had one for years, <laughs> so he kind of knows how that goes. Had to buy his own time, and hopefully that's what the Jets get back this week with Zach Wilson. If nothing else, a quarterback who is capable with his legs of buying himself some extra time. Because you mentioned it, there were guys wide open in this game. This was another good Garrett Wilson game. Zach loves Corey Davis to a fault. Corey Davis hasn't played well in the first three weeks, but we saw this kind of stats that Corey Davis put up early last year when Zach was healthy. He forces balls to him even when he shouldn't. Yeah. Zach really likes to rely on Corey Davis, so I, I would expect a big uptick in production from him. Not sure about Elijah Moore. Zach and Elijah didn't have like great chemistry when they were on the field. Most of those like um, Elijah Moore monster fantasy games were with Flacco or especially Mike White last year. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how this offense kind of gels as they pivot to Zach. You would hope that the offense is built for him and that he could at least muddle through some of those offensive line issues better than, you know, a mannequin like Flacco. Yeah, I mean, that's muddle through is going to be a key to it, too, because I think it's just going to be hard. I mean, I'm still thinking that he's going to be getting pressured all the time because at this point they're just so banged up. But... Yeah, it's um and and I actually think Max Mitchell's been like kind of okay for a starting fourth round rookie, but still you're talking about this is not an elite unit right now and uh Connor McDermott's just a very 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 bad offensive lineman and came in and started immediately giving up sacks, which everybody's talked about. So, I mean, it's going to be tough. Also, where, where's Berrios, man? Can we get some more Berrios action when they're down two touchdowns or something? I don't know how you feel about that, but let's try to do some. Remember last year they were running trick plays and stuff? Like, let's kind of shake it up. Let's get Zach back in there and try to do something with the speed and say, you're not going to, you're not win, win, winning a trench battle with Connor McDermott and these guys. It's not going to happen. Like, I don't know. That would be my thought. Why don't we try to mix it up next week? What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on the Berrios point, Kev. And with Zach coming back, you know, similar to Corey Davis, I think that's one thing we might see. We might see a little Braxton Berrios resurgence here because we know what kind of chemistry that Zach has with Braxton and how much he loves throwing to him. He's fast, man. He's just fast. Get him running. Get him. Let's go. Let's do something. Like, there's no reason to just have this, like, vanilla ice cream, like, offense all the time. I mean, maybe there is with Flacco, but not with Zach in there, you know? No. I want more Berrios. And what I would really like to see in this game from the Jets is more screens. And it's weird to say that about an offense that throws to the running backs seven, eight, or nine times a game so far through the first three weeks. Joe Flacco has been checking it down to them constantly. But I'd like to see them in less checkdown passes and more planned screen plays. Yeah. Because you're right, Kev. The defense, you know, they saw the game plan from the Bengals that worked against Flacco. It's come right after these guys. They have nobody 
to protect the quarterback. If you're throwing a few more screens, you know, you're going, you're going quick a, a little bit, get the offensive line going up the field, maybe even a few more run plays. You can sort of back these linebackers off a little bit and make these teams at least think twice about sending the house. You mentioned, you know, end arounds to Berrios, things like that, that'll force a defense to stay at home a little bit. I think with Zach Wilson in there, hopefully this offense gets a little more creative than they've shown uh, in the first three games. It can kind of, you know, handle the pressure a little bit that way. Yeah, I think that I think that's true. And I almost think it's funny sort of on the defensive side of the ball. I almost think sort of a similar strategy could kind of be put into play because I think uh, the uh, the cornerback play has been good. Mm-hmm. We will mention his name, but Sauce Gardner had a good game. <laughs> Outside of the um, the weird busted coverage thing, but I'm still I'm just going to go ahead and, and blame that on somebody else. That's not him. I'm just going to like mentally just say that that wasn't his fault without doing any kind of uh, intense research. I know supposedly he said that it wasn't his fault, so I'm taking his word for it. We're a pro Sauce podcast. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that the the corner play has has been really good, and I think not a good game for the linebackers here. But I don't know. Sometimes, well, yeah, it hasn't been great for the linebackers actually the past couple of weeks. I thought week one they're pretty good, but I would try to do also something that will use a little bit more. Uh, I would use a little bit more blitzing or try to try anything to get a little bit more pressure on the quarterback, especially early in the game. Uh, obviously, Burrow is has such great pocket awareness, and he's such a good quarterback that he has you know a lot of tools at his disposal to not get hit or more importantly not get sacked you know not lose yardage at least get the ball out but I just have not seen this defensive pass rush really being that effective particularly early on in games and if that's the case then you got to put pressure on the quarterback in some way you got to put um you know you can it's not they're not an elite uh secondary overall because the safety play has been horrendous by the way which we and every other Jets fan predicted going into the year. LaMarcus Joyner's just bad, right? He's just not good and Jordan Whitehead hasn't been playing well. Um I don't know if he's bad or just playing badly, but he is not for an, a new acquisition. He was not he's not been playing up to standard and he had a big missed tackle in this game as well. The safety play has been pretty horrendous. The defensive line hasn't been good. I don't think the linebackers have been great, but the corners have been good. So I would almost sort of a similar way. I think it's like if you swap out the corners for the wide receivers, if you can kind of up the up the ante with some of the other players, or or just try to just try to change things up maybe and and not run such a predictable scheme. Plus, yeah, it's uh, they just haven't been able to get off the field. You know, they can they can make good plays here and there, but they can't get off the field. They're constantly giving up bad third down plays and. So, yeah, I think uh, let's let's get a little let's get a little creative here. Maybe coming up in this next game, I, that that would be Coach Kev's idea. One of the interesting storylines coming out of this game regarding the pass rush was that argument between Quinn and Williams, and it was actually defensive line coach. Yeah, Aaron Whitecotton. I don't know if you saw any of that, Kev. So there was a moment in this game where Quinn Williams was getting heated with Whitecotton on the sidelines. And the crux of that argument, as we found out after the game, was Quinn was actually asking the Jets to blitz less. He was yeah. feeling that they were getting beat down the field because the, all of the linebackers had to come on these exotic blitz packages all the time just to get an inkling of pressure on Joe Burrow. And it was leaving the secondary more exposed than Quinn would have liked. What he was asking for was to put the quarterback pressure on their backs, make the offensive, let the offensive line rush four as a unit 
and do their job and get pressure, which you love his attitude from a young player. Um, but the front four had proven over and over again in this game that they weren't going to get pressure on their own. That was a losing strategy as well as Quinn and himself was playing on the inside. It was really up to Franklin Myers. It was up to Jermaine Johnson. It was up to Carl Lawson to get that pressure from the edge and they weren't doing their jobs. And it makes everything better. You've seen it with good defenses for years. If you've got an elite pass rush or even just one elite pass rusher, how much that really changes everything about your defense. I mean, take the Jets opponent this upcoming week, the Pittsburgh Steelers, that defense, you know, it's a huge difference having TJ Watt in there versus out of the lineup. And thankfully for Zach Wilson, he'll looks like he'll be out of the lineup again this week. Um, but it just makes an enormous difference if you can get pressure without blitzing. It's really the key to everything else you want to do as a coordinator. Right, and I understand the idea that the defensive scheme is supposed to be theoretically built around the idea of relying on your front, relying on the front four. And I understand the frustration that he's saying we're bringing all these, you know, we're we're getting beat deep because we're you know not rely. I understand what he's saying, but I think it's kind of like a chicken or the egg thing. It's like, well, if you were getting pressures, this wouldn't have to be a problem, you know. And I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of blame pie being passed around the Jets uh, extended Internet universe. And a lot of people are catching it. I mean, Flacco, obviously, but that's, you know, at this point, it's kind of a moot point, uh, hopefully, assuming Zach's going to come back and stay healthy. But, um, yeah, the the defense, the defensive coordinator, Ulbrich, the, um, you know, the the bad safety play, all of these things have kind of been trotted out and. The reality is that there's just a lot of problems with the defense, and it's a bummer because I think going into the year, we were like, this isn't a unit that we were going to have to be like, oh, once again, only two or three players are performing. And But, you know, how, are you excited about any of the defensive performances by anyone not named Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed? Because I don't think that I am particularly Yeah, it's just Quinn Williams. It's the two guys that you mentioned, and I think Quinn has been good this year. The problem is the Jets are now missing Quincy Williams, who went down with an injury in this game. Yeah, that's another thing. The prognosis is not as bad as you would have originally expected, considering his leg was in an air cast and the immediate aftermath of that injury. Uh, we're told by Salah that Quincy Williams is week to week. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully they see him sooner rather than later. I think he was having you know a decent year, if nothing else. His sideline to sideline speed is something that this defense really relies on and desperately needs. Um, and I'm not excited to see Nazrul Dean or Sherwood or whoever's going to have to come in and play linebacker against the Steelers next week in Quincy Williams' absence. Yeah, that's uh, that's a bummer. Like you said, it seemed it looked season-ending in the moment. It just like, yeah, there's a guy we're not seeing again. So mm-hmm. glad to hear that, at least for the time being. That's not the case. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, just, uh, again, kind of going back to the typical uh, Jets thing of, like, you're – kind of riding riding high off of a what should be kind of maybe a momentum changing win against Cleveland even though you know there were still if you look actually between the two games the defensive performances probably were actually pretty similar but you know you get the win and it feels good and yeah. then you come out in this game and it's everything that you don't want it's that they can't they can move the ball a little bit but they can't your Joe Flacco is just missing wide open dudes they can't uh they can't get off the field defensively the Bengals what was in the fourth quarter they were on they had a drive that was like 13 or 14 plays took all kinds of time off the clock 
you know, so even the run defense was in at least at that point was like, come on, you know that they're running and you can't get it done. So it's a real bummer. Um, overall, the run defense, I guess, has been pretty good. But yeah, it's just it's not it's it's not they are who we thought they were. <laughs> Have I have I said that already? No, it's it's bad. But I mean, <laughs> I you have to be optimistic. I think having Zach back in there, at least just from a watching the game standpoint, I just can't stand seeing Joe go back out there after another bad play. It's like, oh god, what am I expecting from this? So just just even, not even talking about wins and losses at this point. I just I just don't want to sit through another Sunday and be like, we're out of it in the second quarter. You know. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> Zach coming back is going to be the most interesting thing about this team, at least for the next few weeks. This is, you know, he's missed a lot of time. He's missed a lot of games. He's had injuries in his first two seasons now. And not good injuries to have for a quarterback who you want to be mobile and and willing to be mobile, right? No, certainly not. We know Zach put on a lot of weight in the offseason. He, he bulked up. Um, so he's not that short, skinny kid we saw the last two seasons anymore. But you also wonder how that affects his mobility. It's like, all right, well, putting on weight is great, but you could already throw the ball 70 yards in the air. So how much weight did you really want to put on? <laughs> do you, you, do you want to become right. a human pinball like Josh Allen and, you know, just take take shots, you know, six or seven times a game? I don't know. That's not something I want to see him doing. So I'm a little skeptical of, of the weight gain. Well, he's gonna be take he's gonna be taking him if Connor McDermott he's gonna be taking him whether he wants him or not. And maybe that's why he did it. Um, oh, they well actually we should mention at this point they did sign an off, uh, offensive tackle and that fella's name was take it Seth because I did not pull it up. Yeah, the Jets list. picked up offensive tackle Mike Remmers off waivers, so Remmers isn't gonna start. They also signed uh, another tackle this week. They signed Cedric. Um, I'm gonna butcher this. Cedric Abuche, I think is how you pronounce that. So, you know, we'll see. The Jets press called Mike Rummers a quality veteran offensive tackle. Oh, sorry, that's not fair. A quality backup offensive tackle. So uh, we'll see how that pans out going into week four. Yeah. Important distinction. Yeah. They can't have McDermott out there. He's not a pro caliber player. No. He's, yeah. He's not a star. Yeah. So they can't have him out there. It's just, it's just pretty clear. Again, I'm trying to not dogpile so much on like one player after losses like this this year. I feel like last year I'd be like, it's Ashton Davis's fault they lost by 45. And I'm like, well, actually, you know what? There were a lot more people. I'm going to, uh, it's see what, but, uh, you can't have a guy who just comes in and immediately starts giving up sacks every down. That's not, you can't have Right. It. Can't have No, it. you can't. Even with Zach in there. So, um, I was thinking we should do for a Jets bet segment. For this next game, should it be like over under a quarter before I text you like poverty franchise <laughs> or like we sh- we're 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 doing these Jets bets all wrong. We should be the we should be the house. We should be the casino. We should be making the odds. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what are we doing? We're doing this all wrong. I'm into that. I'm I'm sick of being on the wrong side of it's, gambling. I'll tell you what. Over under how many times I send you the sauce, the hot sauce emoji anytime sauce is on the screen. Ooh, yeah. I don't know what that is. That's like six, five and a half. Five. Because like you could do, yeah, you could do more than one, like three. Like if there might be a play with three, then there's a play with. Oh, I see. I didn't realize that. I thought it was instances of the sauce emoji. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll do. We'll count. We'll count multiples. We'll do. We'll do. Yeah. Five plus. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Over over (laughs) under five and a half sauce emojis per game from here on out. Um. 
you know, just to, just to, you know, finish that, that point on uh, Zach Wilson, obviously he's missed some games the first two seasons, but to me, this is kind of the make or break year for Zach because short of having a real offensive line that he was supposed to have, everything else is really in place in terms of the receivers. And I think the coordinator as well. So if Zach doesn't show it this year between week four and week 18, if we don't see franchise quarterback Zach Wilson, for me, this is it. You don't get next year. You don't get the last year of your rookie contract. I know he's literally under contract through next season. But from an evaluation standpoint, this is Zach's first and last real chance for me, right? I mean, this is it. From a believing standpoint, as opposed to from a organizational standpoint where they're going to be like, well, we're not going to go out and get somebody right. else if we have still have a guy on a rookie deal. I'm yeah. not saying cut him because even even a backup quarterback on a rookie deal is cheaper than a backup quarterback on a veteran deal. So I'm not saying cut bait with him. But if Zach doesn't have it this year, the Jets have to start shopping for a new starter in 2024. You don't get the you know the rookie excuse in year three. If he's still making the same mistakes we've seen from him, sailing balls, erratic with his accuracy, making some some bad decisions, forcing balls into double coverage. If we don't start seeing a, at least a veteran version of Zach Wilson, the Jets have to cut bait going into 2024. We'll see what happens with him between now uh, and the rest of the year. If you want to take a quick break, we can get into next week against Pittsburgh. <laughs> So uh, the Jets take on Mitch Trubisky and the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. Mitch has not looked great. The Steelers' offense has not looked great, um, which is an encouraging sign for a defense that has struggled for two consecutive weeks now in the Jets. This is what I would consider another winnable game. Um, I don't know if I would bet the Jets in this game, maybe with the points. i got to look up the point spread. But this is a winnable game. Mike Tomlin has said he's not moving off of Mitch Trubisky. Mike Tomlin has said it in stone. He's not going to Kenny Pickett, at least right now. Um, so we're going to get Wilson and we're going to get Trubisky this week. And I got to say, I'm a little bit excited to see how this one plays out. I think it should be competitive with no TJ Watt in there. The main questions coming out of this are going to be, is Zach ready to come back or how's he looking? And can the defense step it up, I think, in terms of their their performance? Because I think... Like we're saying, I think we're pretty high on the the skill guys offensively still. I think that there are guys open. The offensive line is obviously a disaster and it's patchwork, but they're trying. Um, you know, so I think if you can if you can try to, I mean, I should say the organization is trying to fix that. But at this point, the main questions are: Is Zach looking good, and can the defense step it up? Because, like you're saying, theoretically, this should be a winning. Uh, you know, this should be a winnable game. Uh, and you know, they ha- they did beat the Cleveland Browns already. So they, they beat a, a team that we thought was maybe going to be slightly superior to them. So it's not impossible. And that was with Flacco. So we're, I'm holding out some optimism, but I think that there's still so many question marks about um, what the extent of the defensive problems are in terms of that disagreement we were talking about earlier on the sidelines and what, how Zach is going to look when he comes back. Those are going to be like the two biggest things. I think that there's a path here. Just chip away at it, short passes, get the ball in and out of Zach's hands, and then defense just try to put pressure on him, try to step up, you know? What else can you do? It's not an easy place to go in and win. It's not, you know? No, no, certainly not an easy place to play. It's a good home field advantage for the Steelers. 
what the one thing you mentioned is is not throwing the ball deep. Trubisky has seemed very reluctant so far this year to throw the ball down the field, which could be a huge boon for the Jets. They've got fast receivers like Chase Claypool, but cornerback, as we've said over and over on this podcast, is the Jets' strength. So Claypool down the field is not something that really frightens me going into this game with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. He's been reluctant to throw deep, and he's been reluctant to run, which is really one of his great strengths. So that surprises me a little bit about Mitch Trubisky. If he's not going to get out there and run, you're like, okay, well, like, what good is he? Because he's never been, you know, the most accurate quarterback in the world. He's he's almost like, um, you know, end of year two Zach, where he has games that like shock you, where he's super accurate. You're like, oh, what, where, you know, where has this guy been? Trubisky always has the potential. He, he has flashes of, of pinpoint accuracy, yeah. but it's just not consistent. It's it's exactly what we see at a Zach Wilson. It's not using his legs enough and just not being consistent with his accuracy. What if I just got our friend Dan on the line right now and I just said the words Mitch Trubisky? Do you think we'd have to this? You'd have to be editing this podcast. The game would be over by the time you edited this podcast. It would be like eight hours long. We'd have to invent our own drop for Mitch Trubisky. And maybe we should with Dan's voice. Who knows? We'll have to set up a Patreon subscriber account. That's the extra Patreon money you got to pay <laughs> to get on to get the full Mitch Trubisky pod. Do are we going to have world's foremost super fan Mitch Trubisky super fan on on the pod? I feel like we have to for the recap. I feel like it's going to happen. Yeah, next week. I I would like that. I think that's a good idea. You know, for our listeners, know we we always try to bring in the experts from the other teams. Right? We had Patriots fan Johnny Christofferson, friend of the show, on for Patriots Week last year. Yeah. Um, you know, we had friend of the show Nick Woten. Nick um, Woten. Who heads up USA Today's Bills Wire. Uh, we had Nick on the show last year. Nick will be probably back this year, I can say with some confidence, for the inevitable uh, Jets-Bills beatdown. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm all for bringing, bringing Dan on. We've referenced him in passing enough. We've, we've teased it enough. I think it's time to, to bring him in for Steelers Week next week. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be a four-hour pod. We're going to be uh, we're going to have to start recording the second the game ends. <laughs> it'll be done by. <laughs> it'll be it'll be strap in, folks. It's going to take a long time. We should start giving out a player of the game every game. And uh, last week against Cincinnati, it's definitely Greg the Leg. Greg the Leg. Good job scoring um, all of the team's points. Solid game. They were all from, what, 40-plus? He had a couple 50-yarders in there, so he looked great. He was the best offensive player. That's going to wrap things up for us here at Just On The Show. Apologies really quick for the late episode. I ran into the uh, Jewish holidays earlier in the week on Monday, and then I was otherwise indisposed on Tuesday. We try not to record and edit. Um, it's a little exhaustive in the same day. So if you're not hearing this podcast uh, until Thursday or Friday this week, um, that's a that, that's a mea culpa. Sorry about that. Give him a break, people. He works hard. In any event, we will see you next week after the Jets and the Steelers. As always, Kevin, take us out. Just end that show. Just end-